Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where it is now officially March-ish. All the things are coming out, guys. All the things. Um, I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. It's not... It's things everywhere. I know. Everything is coming out. And also, the wind is rushing at my house, and the thunderstorms are rolling at your house. So if there's a little bit of background stuff this week, that's why. Um, We can't fight nature. But today, we are talking about the Nintendo Switch launch, because it's out, and I've been playing with it, and it's awesome. And I'm just sitting here at home being like, you need to text me about the Switch. I want to see it. I want to know what's going on, you guys. And I haven't been. I haven't been texting you because I've been too busy playing. Yeah, I actually figured that was the case, that with you being gone back to work, I figured that uh, your time was spent actually playing the thing instead of talking about it a lot this week. That is exactly what happened. So do you have any, like, big overriding questions otherwise like i have a ton of stuff to dive into and then we can do questions at the end whatever you want okay i have two and they're actually kind of minor questions one i was curious with the pro controller that you got um is it wireless because i haven't checked on that because i know it, it connects to a pc and i didn't know if that meant it was usb or if it connected by bluetooth no it's wireless i mean it has like a usb charging cable that goes it's you know like usb a to usb c i believe okay Um, but that's just the charging cable and it might okay i mean that might be how they're getting the data connection to the pc also you might be able to do it on pc wired i don't know what the wireless deal is on pc um but no i mean the standard controller like when you're playing it with the switch it's just a normal wireless controller okay cool i wasn't actually sure so i wanted to ask about that and also have you licked a cartridge yet no, you gross. Why? Why not? It's got the bitter coating on it. How can you not lick that game? Why do you want to taste gross things? Because I want to know. They made it's the first time in the history of video games that there has specifically been a special taste on the cartridge, and I want to lick it so bad. Okay, you go buy a Nintendo Switch cartridge for the inevitable time when you buy a Nintendo Switch, and you just buy it so you can lick it, and then you report back to the podcast. Austin told me that he already licked it and it tastes like a really bad envelope glue, kind of like a post-it note glue. So then I went and licked a post-it note and we posted about it on Facebook, how we're adults. That, yeah. Okay. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's my experience with the Nintendo Switch so far. I think yours will be very different. Wow. Okay. Anything else before we dive in? Um, No. Other than that, I was looking through the notes and I'll just chime in as you hit the points because there's no sense in talking about them out of order. Okay, so I wanted to talk, before we talk about the system, I want to talk about launch day woes that I had. Um, I bought it from Amazon, and I had my pre-order in within like 10 minutes of the pre-orders going live. And this was in like the middle of January, like right after it was announced. So it had like guaranteed release day, you know, delivery, all that kind of stuff. And every time I've ever had a release day delivery from Amazon before, it's always been perfectly fine. No issues at all. That did not happen. I've had a single problem. Like, the entire time I've ever pre-ordered anything, I've had one problem with a launch day thing, and it came in, like, super late, but still made it on launch day. Yeah, that didn't happen. Apparently, Amazon... And, you know, I had to talk to a bunch of service reps because I was getting really worried about, like, my package showing up on time. Yeah, of Um, course. So I kept, like, chatting with it because it'll connect you to a different person every time, right? So you can get different Mm -hmm. information out of different people. No one ever wants to give you the full picture because they're kind of, like, protecting themselves. But... In talking to like four or five different people over the course of that day, it turns out that Nintendo did not give them the shipment on time. So they were like 
trying their best to get things out as fast as possible. But it was like, depending on where you ordered yours or when you ordered yours, um, it came out of like different distribution warehouses. So some people like my brother, he ordered his way later than I did. And like not even the same day, like weeks and weeks later, um, he managed to get one when they put up, you know, one of those like new restocks of pre-orders when they're like, oh, we're going to get more shipments, whatever. Um, right. He got his on day one. Like it showed up his doorstep by that night. No problem. Aww. I ordered mine within 10 minutes of it going live and it did not show up here until Monday. Wow. I knew that you had said it was going to be delayed, but I was kind of hoping that it would be in on Saturday, despite them saying that, that maybe Monday. But it actually did come in on Monday. So the package showed up here. Yeah, we're recording on Tuesday. It showed up here yesterday, late afternoon, Monday afternoon. So I was going back and forth with them on launch day, and they're like, oh, no, it'll get there. And I was like, there's no way. Like, there's yeah. there's no way. It hasn't shipped yet. It is not getting here. Um, so as the day went on, um, one person along the way had told me, like, oh, yeah, it's not going to get there. And then they immediately kind of, like, backpedaled on it. Um, so I, I didn't, like, freak out on them, but I mentally right. panicked. And I texted my wife because she knew, like, how excited I was for the Switch. And I was like, hey, it's still mid-morning. If you have a chance and you're out anyway, which she was, can you look around and see if you can get me a Nintendo Switch today? <laughs> and so yeah. she totally saved the day. She went out and she checked like f- two or three stores and she ended up at Target where they had like five left. And this was like awesome. 10 a.m. Target opens at like eight ish. So 10 a.m. She just walked in the door, you know, no line, nothing and got one and she was she said there were about five left after that so she saved the day for me she picked up that and she picked up a pro controller and zelda so that that was kind of like the core of my bundle all the other accessories i was like whatever i can wait till monday no big deal all right and those were waiting for me when i got home and it was perfect so my wife absolutely rocks does amazon have any kind of like recompense on the fact that they had a guarantee and it didn't happen yeah, you it depends like fixed? who you talk Anything to fixed? and like what you push back on. I got a little bit of like Amazon store credit and then a, like a month or two of free Prime on top of, you know, my okay. normal thing. I do know some people got up to like 30, 40 or 50 bucks from Amazon. Yeah. And then after that, they also got like four or five months of Prime. I don't know what they pushed to get that, but yeah. Yeah. Do you still have the uh, do you still have that switch? So I do not have that. That is shipping out to somebody else that I know um, who has mm. been an online friend for a long time. And he decided that he wanted to switch but never pre-ordered it and kind of decided after it came out and it was getting a lot of good buzz. So I had I had floated it out there for a few different people I thought might be interested. And I said, hey, if you want this, you can have it. I'll just charge you retail. I don't need to make any money off of it. But then I don't have to deal yeah. with Amazon returns. So that's what ended up happening to the bundle that showed up on Monday. Because I, I had two Nintendo Switches for a little bit of time. But I didn't want them. I didn't want two. Yeah. I just wanted one. And I was actually going to ask the same thing because I knew you had that idea out there. And I've got some stuff on eBay right now that I'm hoping will sell so that I can grab one. And since a lot of the uh, places are selling them for a lot more than uh, retail right now, I was like, if you've still got it, hold on to it for a week or so if you're not getting rid of it. Yep. Nope. It's already spoken for. It's Makes gone. sense. Shipping away to somebody, but at least it's going to someone I know and not just returning to Amazon to go to a random whoever. Exactly. Yep. And that's so, the beauty of the internet. Oh. Indeed. Okay. So let's talk about the hardware a little bit. I like it. I like it a lot. Good. Like that's that's end the main show. thing. Yes. End of show. No. I 
I don't know. Okay, so I guess a high level here. I don't know why Nintendo is marketing this as a console that you can take with you. It is like... because they're they're asking to be compared to like PS4 and Xbox One when they do that. Right. You know? And if you look at the experience of playing this while it is docked and you're sitting in your living room looking at a TV with a, you know, like a pro controller, that's basically equivalent, right, to home mm-hmm. console stuff. It is fine. It is another Nintendo system. Like it's it's totally it's fine. You know, it's not going to compete with PS4 and Xbox One on hardware, but you get Nintendo games, you can play them in your living room, you have a decent controller. It's fine. But when you do it from the other side, when you say, like, look at this as a handheld and look at what it can do, it's like the best handheld that has ever been released, ever. And it's just, it's amazing. And then as an added feature, you can dock it at home and play those games on your TV. Like, that is how they should be marketing it. I don't know why they're approaching it from the other way, because it makes it less impressive. Like, flip it around, market it as a handheld that docks as an added bonus and you have like one of the most impressive pieces of hardware ever but at the same time would that not also knock out a big demographic of people who are in the console market and don't necessarily consider themselves handheld or handheld players because when you look at the people who tend to be handheld gamers they're the majority kids so when you're looking at a console you're marketing it as well as toward young adults and adults which i mean yeah it's nintendo and i mean you have that built-in fan base anyway but there are people who probably see a handheld as something that they're not going to buy or that it wouldn't be something that you could buy for your whole family. You'd be buying it for an individual kid or an individual person, even though you can dock it. So if I had, you know, that's probably where I would look at it coming from as looking at it as a family media center, family gaming console, as opposed to a single person's handheld that can then be given to the family. But I mean, even okay. The thing is, even when it's a handheld, you can play it multi multiplayer. Like it has two controllers strapped to the sides. Plus, you can use however many more. Like it's a super super impressive handheld. You could. It's like a handheld built for a family. Like I've been playing this with my daughter a bunch of places around the house. You know, it's not just in front of the TV. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they know why they're doing it. I'm sure they have rationale in place. I just think it's kind of a misstep that they're not selling it the other way around because it's so much more impressive to me that this thing is a handheld and what it does as a handheld console. So I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the other thing is that like it plays better when it's not docked. Like, how is that possible? It, it, the screen and like the hardware, it it just plays better when it's not in the dock. I mean, I mean the biggest place that you can see this is that when you're playing Zelda, you take frame rate hits, having it docked to a TV. Whereas when it's in your hand, you don't. Like, it's really smooth. I haven't had any problems at all playing when I'm playing it in handheld mode. But whenever I have it docked, like, as soon as there's a lot going on on the screen, the frame rate dips. And frame rate dips are not something that really bug me personally a whole lot. But when I'm noticing it and going, eh, that's not great, that means that there are other people out there freaking out about how bad it is. Yeah. And I mean, is that because it, like, raises the resolution when it does that? Is it... Does it like does it make it 1080p when you're on the TV and a lower resolution 720 or something when you're on the handheld? Yes, because it's that's doing the only reason like I can that. even think about that. Yeah, it's it's up converting it or something along the way, and it's it's causing it to I don't know whatever the process is there. 
it plays slightly worse when it's on the TV. And it's not bad, and it's not in every game. Like, the other games we've been playing haven't noticed it at all. But, I mean, they have said from the beginning that, like, Breath of the Wild is the one that's going to put the most strain on your system out of the gate. And it's evident when you dock it, and there's a lot going on on the screen. Is there an option to lower the resolution on the TV? No, I don't think it works like that. I haven't seen that. it anyway. Yeah, but it's it's not bad when it's docked. You know, it's just better as a handheld is the main thing so it's not horrible it's not like screen terry unplayable it's just like slightly sometimes you go oh there's a little bit of frame rate hit there um that kind of makes me sad because i would probably be playing it more as a console than i would be as a handheld well here's the thing i really like the screen on the switch itself like i find myself really drawn to that handheld mode of the system and it's like I said, it kind of feels like that should be the default. And I'm not always playing it when I'm holding it in my hands. Like a lot of the time I am playing it in bed at night and mm. I'll like take off the joy cons off the side and I'll just like lay the screen against my headboard, even though there's a kickstand. Like I don't really use the kickstand ever, um, but I just kind of like prop the screen back up against my headboard and I'll, I'll play like that a lot of the time, which is really nice to do. When you have when you have the Joy Cons like that disconnected and you're playing it with one in each hand, does it feel like the Wii when you have a nunchuck and the the main Wii mote? Yeah, kind of. And I'm not a huge fan of that, so I'm kind of I'm doing more handheld and less of like pulling those out and propping up the screen. Yeah. Um because I just don't like that like disconnected hand feeling. But yeah, it feels okay. a lot like that. It kind of gives off the same vibe as the Wii plus nunchuck. See, and I liked that. So that was the reason I was asking that if it actually controlled that way where they were two parts of the same like that and you could do it because I would probably find myself doing that a bunch. Yeah, if you liked the Wiimote plus Numchuck, this is way better. It's such a better version of that, but it has the okay. same core feel. So you would probably really like it, honestly. That's um, great. That may actually keep me from buying a pro controller, to be honest. Because I, I've, that was my favorite part about the Wii is being able to sit back with just my arms splayed out, being like ultra comfy and be like, oh, I'm playing my game. I don't have to move and even hold my arms together because I'm lazy. It was great. Uh, nice. Like, okay, I don't know I, why that's a thing, but it's like I don't want to hold my arms together. That's how lazy of a gamer I am. And I just I don't like the disconnected arm feeling like that but i mean you know yeah. i've heard other people say that they love it because they liked the Wii with nunchucks so yeah mm -hmm. and we'll talk more about controllers here in a second but the other like high level thing i wanted to hit with the hardware is that the suspend feature works really really well like right you know it's just like the vita essentially where it's like a one button press and it's just suspended it's so much more like a handheld than it is like a console it like a you know home console in that regard right. because like i know you can do it on the ps4 i do it sometimes um i know you can do something similar on the xbox one even though i don't own one so i don't know the exact process but those are like you hold a button and then you look in a menu and you pick the thing to suspend like it's it's a couple steps you know this is designed like a handheld like how you could just close your 3ds clamshell and it would go into suspend mode yeah. or how on the vita you hit the one button and okay it's suspended now um yeah that is how the switch plays there's just that that main power button on top you just tap it and then like instantly it suspends wherever you are so it means that i can play zelda in short bursts and not feel bad about it you know there's not that can extra that? friction of like startup time Every time you want to load it and like, oh, I have to remember to save. OK, and then after I save, I should quit mm -hmm. and power down the system. It's not that it's like, oh, I need to do something. I hit a button and I set the console down. It's so nice. Can you do that while it's docked? 
you can reach over and hit the power button. I don't actually know if it suspends instantly. When it when it's docked, you can hold the home button down and then you get a little menu. So it's kind of similar to like a PlayStation or an Xbox. Like it pops right. out a menu and then the default option in that one is like put it to sleep mode or something like that. So okay. it's still quick, but it's not the one button thing. And if it is the one button yeah. thing, you have to be within like arm's reach of your console to do it. Yeah, which is likely on that's not going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and then the one one other hardware thing I wanted to mention before we talk about controllers is the kickstand sound. Like it is <laughs> the the worst engineered part of the Nintendo Switch is the kickstand. Like no question about it. It just when you open that kickstand, it has this like crunch sound to it that you feel almost <laughs> like you're breaking the system. I mean, you know you're not. You can feel it in your hand that you're not shattering it or anything, but it just has this really unpleasant like and it's just not good and it feels flimsy like you set it, you know, you set it on a table or whatever and you set it up and you're like, is that going to fall over? It looks like it might fall over. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I just I do not like the kickstand on this thing at all, which is why, like I mentioned before, like if I'm playing in bed and I want to prop it up, I prop it up against my headboard. I don't even like put that kickstand out because I kind of hate the kickstand. And Uh, I mean, if you're playing around the house or wherever, though, you have stuff everywhere that you can prop it up against, you know, pillows and things on the couch or like you just throw it in your lap and disconnect the Joy-Cons like and you can use the kickstand like it works it's it's not to say that it doesn't work i just don't like it and it feels i don't know it just doesn't feel as like precisely engineered as everything else in the system and i mean if that's the worst part about it then that's wonderful yeah that's kind of how i feel too um okay let's talk about the controllers a little bit which we already touched right. on but i like the joy cons a lot like way more than I thought I would. Um, They feel really great when they're clicked into the handheld mode. Like handheld mode, I think might become my default because I like it so much. Um, But beyond that, they work fine as separate controllers. And I'm talking about when you take them off the sides and you like rotate it 90 degrees. So it's sideways, that kind of separate controller. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Where they actually become the horizontal normal kind, like, like typical controller that you would have on a system. Yeah, and they work fine. That's how my kids have been playing stuff every night. Like, I give each of them one of those controllers, and I've actually been using the safety clip strap things. I don't know what the actual terminology is for those, but those safety clip things, they add just enough bulk to it to make it feel, like, really nice in your hand. Like, it's perfectly acceptable without that, you know, if you're on the go and you're out, whatever, you know, if you're at an airport or if you're at work or something, you wouldn't need to feel like you have to bring those with you. But they are very nice to have, especially if you're at home um, and not for like the safety strap, like whatever. You're not going to throw the thing. It's it's more just for the bulk and for the shoulder buttons that it adds, because the default Joy-Con, the shoulder buttons are recessed in there. And if you add the strap on top, the um, the shoulder buttons are like out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Where it's easier to they're they're more traditional with them being like protruding as opposed to being recessed. Yeah, so my kids have played a ton of Snipper Clips and Bomberman that way, and both of them are going, like, they both love it. It's great. It's super easy. Um, I am pretty sure that's how my wife and I are going to play a bunch of Mario Kart once Mario yep. Kart comes out on the system. Like, it seems like the perfect way to, you know, you just have a really simple little controller, play that wherever, in bed at night before we're going to bed, that kind of thing. Um yeah, so the safety clips, it's its really nice for the form factor, but those safety clips are really, really hard to get off, 
And if you put it on the wrong way, it's like almost impossible to get off. Like you have to be really careful with those things. Did you do it by accident or did you try it on purpose? No, I specifically looked very carefully every time because one of my friends who got the system before me said that they cut themselves when they tried to get it off when they put it on backwards. Oh my goodness. Like that's how much force they had to use. That That's kind of awesome actually. I think it's kind of funny. But it, even when you put them on the right way, they're still kind of annoyingly hard to get off, but it's fine. I mean, I'm already noticing like once they're a little bit more broken in, it's not as big of a deal. It was just that yeah, first day or two. Like they, it was, you know, such tight tolerances on it that it was hard to get those things off once they were like locked into place. Um, the one thing I should say with the Joy-Cons is I do not like the dog head controller at all. And if you don't know what I'm talking hmm. about, it's been going around the internet, the dog head controller. It's the one that's, I think it's technically called the Joy-Con grip. It's the thing that's just like a piece of plastic that you click the two Joy-Cons into and it kind of makes a traditional controller. You know what I'm talking about, right, Beige? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, where it makes that kind of square where it's just, uh, it's like a, a mini pro controller. Yeah, I, I don't like that thing at all. Like, it's, Is it because of the form factor just being so rigid? It's not that it's rigid. It's just that it's uncomfortable. Like, it's not, I don't know. The grips aren't the way they should be. Like, you know what a controller is supposed to feel like in your hand. You know, you've held modern controllers, like yep. everything from 360, PS3, you know, PS4, Xbox One, like everything. There's just kind of like a fit that they generally have in your hand. And this one does not conform to that. Like, some of the buttons are a little bit wonky to reach, even huh. just like the positioning on them and how far the joy cons click in versus where the grips are and they're not full grips like if you go look at that thing they're kind of like half grips and then the back of it is like the back of the joy con it's just not comfortable like it's it's not horrible i don't want to give that impression it's kind of acceptable but it's not good so the way that I've been playing every time I do it in docked mode downstairs is I use the pro controller. It's just there's yeah. no question the pro controller is like heads above what the Joy-Con grip is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like expected for me because they're especially with them charging so much. But it tends to be that whenever there's an extra peripheral like that, it's going to be better. Yeah, it's and the pro controller is really good, honestly. Um, the rumble across all of them is fine. Like, I have noticed that it's a little bit more nuanced than, like, a PlayStation controller or an Xbox controller. Mm. But I haven't noticed any, you know, they were selling it as, like, groundbreaking technology. It's not. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, yeah. It's better, though. You know, it's it's better. It's not just, like, a full controller rumble. It's kind of like, oh, I can feel the rumble on the one side or the other side or, like, different yeah. parts of the control. It's almost like... um, I don't know if you've played much with, like, a Steam controller, but the haptic feedback no. inside of one... It feels a little bit like haptic feedback. Okay. I know what that feels like, but now I've never messed with a Steam controller. I want to, but I just never have. Okay. Um, and then the other thing with controllers is that, which you already mentioned this, but that Pro Controller, apparently, you can use that on PC now, even though it's not standard, but people are using it already, which is it's cool. It's like a nice yeah. to have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good bonus for people who don't want to have a different controller for pretty much everything just cluttering up the house exactly um the docking and undocking of the system is like really really close to seamless and it kind of ties in with the controllers here but it's more just like an overall statement i really like the way that it docks and undocks um 
some people are saying that like you have to be careful with the screen because if you're not careful you can like scratch it or crack it i think those are just people who don't treat their electronics with respect because i don't know how you could do that unless you were super rough with your system like from my end i haven't seen any way that that would happen and i i don't know i mean i've had the console just as long as everybody else besides journalists you know Yeah, and if you're uh, if you're the kind of person who gets a switch on day one and you crack the thing by not treating it well, by by taking it in and out of a dock, I mean, you really are probably being super careless. Yeah, yeah, probably. Like, I mean, um, that's part of the design is to move it in and out of the thing as uh, effortlessly as possible. So if you crack a screen doing that, you're just not paying attention. Yeah. Um, so overall, it's it's really smart when you dock it and undock it. Um, sometimes you dock it and you're still just kind of playing because it knows like what controller you are using and that you could still use it. Um, a lot of the time right. when you either dock it or you pull it out of the dock, it pauses your game and it kicks you into this like controller. It's not a resync mode. You don't have to sync them up again, but it's like a controller grip assignment mode. Oh, which okay. It just asks you, it's like, okay, whatever controller scheme you're using right now hit the left and right buttons on it the l and r trigger so that we know what configuration you're in and because of that it's really smart right so if you have a single joy con on its side you have those two recessed Mm -hmm. buttons so it knows you know you hit those two okay you're on that controller or if you have each joint joy con independently or in handheld mode it's the same thing basically um yeah you hit the two of those or if you're on a pro controller you hit the you know it's just like I, I haven't ever been in a situation where it guessed incorrectly when I needed to reset up something. So it's like awesome. Every time I would have needed to like change things around, it is already one step ahead of me. And it's like, okay, here's a prompt. Hit the buttons on the new controllers that you want to use. Right. And then you just immediately take up with the game where you left off. Yeah. Yeah. And that part's seamless. I mean, it basically just suspends the game because like I said before, it has, you know, the one button suspension thing. So it's, it's no big deal to the switch it just suspends it and then it prompts you what controller are you on and then you just keep going it's super fast i guess it kind of reminds me of switching from the tv to the gamepad on the wii u kind of i mean yeah there's definitely more options than that but yeah yeah i can see that um and it really it's it's a nice solution because it's not a clamshell design like the you know 3ds or the ds like it's just it's a good way to figure it out like when you need to change things around um another thing with the hardware is that posting to social media is easier than any system i've ever seen handheld or console like i know that ps4 and xbox and like i think vita and 3ds can post in some way or another i i always feel like every single one of them has like one or two too many steps in the process you know yeah yeah like it's a real. little too convoluted you don't have quite enough control over what you want it to do or what you want it to say or like how it pushes it out and the switch you know i set it up like because i've set it up on ps4 like i've shared a couple things from there but it always is kind of just a pain to do it and is it i think on the switch i'm gonna share more from that system than any other one that i've ever owned because it's so easy to do. I mean, there's basically just a screenshot button and then there's a menu where you can go post from it. And when you go into the photo, like you can you can switch it around a little bit. You can like customize it. You can yeah, add your own text it around. and things to it, which is really cool. Um, and then it's, I don't know, it's pretty seamless. Like it's not, it's not that far off from PS4. 
but it just feels more streamlined. And I like that you can put text on it because I'd seen, I think it was Hestia on uh, Twitter had posted a picture of her horse and it was from uh, Breath of the Wild and it was just in like yellow letters like, my horse! And I was like, that's awesome because it was just funny when I saw it and I could tell that it was a share and I didn't know how she had added the uh, text. So I, I really am glad that kind of thing is on there because there's a lot of times that I'll see like a PS4 share and they, you know, I don't know what they're trying to call out in the picture because either I'm not familiar with the game or I don't have the context of that area or the situation. And it's just like, okay, cool. That's a pretty picture, I guess, or something's happening, I'm sure. Sure. But being able to call it out is really, really nice for actual sharing and starting conversations. Yeah, I think including the ability to put text on the image like that was one of the smartest things they did with the social feature. Like, yeah, I think you're going to see that on Twitter and on Facebook and like a bunch of places just because like Nintendo added a little bit extra to it. And it's just enough to make it a quality of life change instead of a a just typical like, oh, yeah, this is something. This is an extra feature that nobody's going to use. I think that does make it better and more likely for people to use it. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, Okay, so hardware. Last couple things here. Like I said, I like the HD rumble. Rumble's never been a big thing for me on controllers, but I will say this is the best rumble that I've ever had in a controller. I still don't care that much about it. But if you are somebody yeah. who absolutely loves like what rumble and controllers can do, I don't know if those people exist, but if you do, <laughs> you are going to be so happy with the rumble and the Nintendo switch. Um, and then the last thing is that there's no install time. And this is something that I didn't even notice until last fall when I was renting all those Gamefly things back to back on PlayStation. Yeah. Like you could put a disc in and wait like an hour, you know, for it to download and like it installs local content from the disc to your system and then it grabs patches online and it installs like the switch doesn't have any of that. Like I and again, I'm going to buy all digital after Zelda, but because I wanted the game on day one and I didn't know how server liability would be or anything like that. I have a physical copy of Zelda and you put the game in and you start it and it just plays which sounds like, duh, right? (laughs) Like, that's how it should be. That's how it always was with, like, old cartridges and stuff. But we've somehow gotten away from that, and people are just okay with it now. So to go back to just being able to put a game in and it instantly works is just amazing. Even, I mean, this is even with a day one patch on Zelda. You just put it in and start playing, and the day one patch downloads in the background and asks you to update it. Are you serious? Yeah, it just asks you to update it next time you relaunch the game. It does. I don't even think it asks you. I think it's just the first time after it downloads in the background, the first time you close the game, it just auto-updates it, and then the next time you go in, you're just in an updated version. Like, it's oh. so seamless compared to what you have to do if you are buying physical stuff for a PS4. Oh, man, that is awesome because that's always one of my biggest issues on PS3. Any console, really, that you have to install is I, sometimes I just want to go play a game and I don't care if there's an update to it that if I could either do it in the background like this and do it next time, which is great, or, you know, just tell it that I don't want to update right then because I have 15 minutes and I want to play. I don't want to waste that by letting you download and just take over my system. So I think that is a wonderful idea. Yeah, it's so nice. And it was one of those things that 
I didn't realize like how much nicer it was because I'm mostly digital. But like I said, I was so frustrated last fall with Gamefly and having to install everything I rented. It just took forever. And this was, it's just instant, you know? You put the game in and you start playing. It's fantastic. That's how it should always be, but it's not. Um, Yeah, so the Switch is doing good things there. Okay, that's kind of hardware. I have thoughts about games too, but do you have any questions about the hardware? No, I think actually that's a about all i was oh oh yes i do have you had any problems with the left joy con oh no not at all yeah good all right no um i i don't have like any line of sight issues between me and the console when it's docked and right i also don't sit super far away from it which it sounds like people it sounds like those are the two main contributors to it is if you have things between you and the dock or if you're really far away from it. And I'm not either right. one of those things, and I haven't had any issues at all. Okay, cool. Good. Yeah. Okay, so the games. I picked up four launch games. Um, let's start with Bomberman. It is still Bomberman. Sometimes the camera is really, really annoying in this version of Bomberman. But, I mean, it's Bomberman. Like, I don't have much else to say. Yeah. My kids really wanted this one for some reason and i think it's because i just told them it was a multiplayer game that we could all play right. so it's my own fault um <laughs> i wouldn't have bought this one without the kids you know like i would never buy this yeah. for myself but i'm glad that we have it just so like we have something that all of us can play at the same time absolutely yeah that's that's about all i have to say about Bomberman. um the one that i really like that i didn't know if i was gonna like it or not is snipper clips which have you seen this one no i haven't i need to Okay, you basically control these shapes, and you can overlap them, and each player controls a different shape, right? It's best played, like, two to four player. Um, You overlap the shapes, and then if you hit a button, whatever the shape is overlapped on the other one, it will cut that out of the other player. So you can cut each other into different shapes, and then you use that to complete objectives. It's kind of like miniature puzzles. It's really, like, no one of them is super hard, but it's kind of just fun i don't i don't know a better way yeah. to put it um it's a day one eShop exclusive it's only 19 dollars, which goes a long way towards recommending it and honestly like this is the most multiplayer fun that i've had on the system like bomberman is fine but it's still bomberman snipper clips is a yeah. ton of fun like i you know if you are going to pick up a switch i recommend getting zelda and i recommend getting snipper clips because it's that good and it's not super long, it's not super in-depth, but again, it's only $19. It's not 50 And is there any kind of replayability to it? Because it's multiplayer, but I mean, you said there were objectives. Can you still go back through and have fun after you've already beaten it? Yeah, yeah, you can replay levels if you want and just like do puzzles that other people haven't seen. Um, you know, if you have people over who've never played it before. And then there mm. also is like a competitive multiplayer, just kind of like a fun mode in there too which goes a little bit towards replayability like honestly right, that does it, it would if it were any more money than it was like i would say that it needs a bunch more puzzles in it but for 19 dollars, it feels about right yeah and for uh, a day one e-shop too i mean it's you know you, you you honestly expect about that kind of game to be on a day one digital platform like that yeah exactly um i also got fast rmx which is like a racing game just because yeah i don't know i was just buying stuff I, a new system launched i wanted to buy a bunch of stuff and it's fine like it's 
kind of somewhere between it's not really mario kart it's kind of like f-zero in a way like super fast racing um it also has some of and i'm blanking on the name of the game the one where you switch yourself back and forth ikagura or whatever um i don't know that one one of those like you know those bullet hell games where there's like different colored dots and you can change your own color back and forth to absorb them or reject whatever um it does that but for racing so there are orange stripes on the ground and there are blue stripes on the ground for boost and you can hit a button to change yourself back and forth between the different phases so if you're orange and you run over an orange one you get a speed boost basically same thing for blue so it's kind of like f-zero but with that color changing mechanic thrown on top of it so it's okay it's not my favorite genre if you really like racing games, you should probably pick up the fast RMX if you have a Switch. That actually like, sounds really cool to me. Yeah, and again, I'm not a huge racing game guy, but if I were, I think I'd be playing that one a lot. I just googled pictures of it, and it looks very much like Wipeout. Yes, that's a good. That's another good like touch point for it. Not far off at all. Yeah, because um, I love Wipeout. Like I go crazy for it. I don't know why, but man, I love me some hovercraft racing. Nice. Okay, and then, of course, Zelda. Um, Zelda is amazing. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be my favorite Zelda game ever. It's on track. Um, I want to beat it first, or at least get near the end before I say that for sure. So I'm not really committing to that statement yet. But I think next week we're going to talk about Zelda all week. So I'm going to try, or next episode, all episode. So I'm going to try to beat it by this time next week. And I might be able to. I don't know. I'm like... 25 to 30 hours into it and i've barely done any of the main story like i'm just exploring wow it's i mean they they finally kind of like got out of their zelda bubble you know zelda's been so stagnant for such a long time and it's like they finally stopped and looked at all the other modern games they looked at the western market and what we're doing with open world games um and then they went back and incorporated all of those good things back into that core zelda dna while still keeping like the spirit of the kind of the open zelda games you know like the very original legend of zelda or ocarina of time or you know like link to the past um link between worlds the ones that feel more open it has that spirit but it's totally been brought up to modern times finally finally i'm really excited to play this one because of that in particular to finally feel what hyrule is because when i was a teenager and ocarina of time came out i loved being able to just kind of wander the plains and see how everything connected and with this one having i'm assuming bunches of side quests and characters it'll be interesting to feel that as kind of a world for the first time instead of just a theme park yeah and i don't want to next week we're going to talk about it the whole episode so i don't want to give like any spoiler even remotely here but i will say that it's an open world it very very much rewards you for exploring which most open worlds forget to do because they get so full of how much junk can we cram in here like this one you can explore for the sake of exploring and you will find things that are worth your time like it never feels like a waste of your time to just be like what's up that mountain what's around that corner you know it's always something which is super impressive and along with like the exploration and the freedom that it gives you 
there are just a bunch of interesting systems in place that kind of make for organic things that can happen. Sometimes it's a combat encounter. Sometimes it's like what you can do with the physics or like the engine of the game. Like, yeah, there are a bunch of things that I've, I'm trying to talk around it here without even spoiling yeah. anything. If you're trying to, you know, come in completely fresh. Um, there are things that have happened that I just kind of went, wow, that's really impressive. That would never have happened in a past Zelda game because it was so scripted and so, like, uh, you know, like, they're finally letting go a little bit and letting you break things in interesting ways or solve puzzles in ways they didn't intend or skip over a whole chunk of things because you find a workaround because you're thinking outside the box and they're not going to penalize you for it. It's so And that's cool. exactly the kind of thing that you get into so hard is just not necessarily trying to break it, but figure it out. Yes. No, this systems like it's a very much a systems driven game, which is one of the reasons it's so appealing to me. It's exploration. And we talked about this when we talked about our Bartle types, right? I'm yeah. an explorer and I like story and I've talked at length about how I love systems in games and really getting my head around systems. And this is an exploration game with super interesting systems. So this one is like right in my wheelhouse and I'm absolutely loving it. I have tons and tons of thoughts. I will save them for next week. Awesome. I cannot wait to hear it because I might have a switch by then. I might probably won't, but I've got stuff on eBay that I'm hoping sells that I can get one. And, uh, if I can find one that's not $500, but we'll see. Like, I want to experience this. That would be sweet. Um, and then I also just wanted to, okay, a couple last per- points on the Switch. And we'll move on to Geekery for the night. Um, I want to say my, what my kids think about it. So I ask them. They both like it a lot. They really are having a lot of fun with it. Um, they're saying that they both love Bomberman and they love Snipper Clips. And I was trying to get yeah. them to tell me which one they like more than the other and they couldn't decide. So obviously <laughs> they like both. Um, but I will say the Joy-Cons are perfect for them. A Joy-Con set on its side with the clip on it. That's like the perfect first controller for a kid. And my kids in totally particular. That. Yeah, my kids in particular are like beyond that because I've given them 2D. Like they both have a 2DS they both play on the Wii U all the time. Like, they know how to do, you know, modern gaming controllers just like I do, just like you do. But when you are a parent and you're trying to get your kid to start at first, it can be really, really intimidating to pick up a giant controller. This is such a good, like, onboarding point to give them a controller that's just simplified and it fits their hand, you know, their little tiny kid hand. And Nintendo is so good at this. That was why I love the original Wii so much is because you had this just very simple remote that had, you know, a it had a control pad on it. It had a couple of buttons and a trigger. I mean, that was all you needed just for that controller. And it got children and honestly, elderly people back then who had never really touched games or middle aged and elderly people. I just remember a lot about nursing homes at the time that it got them playing games because it was intuitive and easy to hold on to and not intimidating because they didn't have like the uh, modern controllers with four triggers, four buttons, a home button, a select button, a D-pad, two sticks, and where they're just like, I don't know, I can't press all these buttons. Yeah, yeah, this goes a long way towards helping people just kind of get on board again with gaming. I think that Mario Kart is going to be a huge hit on this system just because like 
those simplified control schemes are going to be so approachable for people. And the fact that this system essentially comes with two-player controllers built in, mm-hmm. which hasn't happened since, I believe, the Super Nintendo, that there yeah, have been so. two controllers packaged with a system. And The so, PlayStation might have. I might have gotten two PlayStation controllers with mine. But it's like, it's even that, it's been so long that you can yeah. never assume that someone has a second controller until now. So you can make two-player games for the Nintendo Switch. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not a game maker, but game <laughs> like developers could. And they know that there are two controllers there, that every single person who owns one of these consoles has the potential for two-player without buying any extra hardware. And I think long-term, that is going to be really interesting to watch. That's actually something that makes me want to pick it up because Jennifer and I like playing Mario Kart. But, you know, money's tight and picking up a second controller is, you know, not necessarily a priority for us on every system. And to be able to just play Mario Kart is really useful for us because that's something that we love doing together. And even if we got a used Wii U and bought Mario Kart, we would still have to buy a second controller to do it. And we're pushing up near uh the switch price just to have to do that yeah yeah so i hope that you get one i think you would really like it um in general it's fitting into my life really well just kind of like i expected it would so generally like after i get the kids down for the night i go downstairs and hang out near my wife while i play i've been playing it in the docked mode with a pro controller um, okay. and play for a while while we just kind of hang out and talk and do whatever and then when we're winding down for the night i pull it out of the dock and i take it upstairs and i play it in bed while we're kind of winding down for the night and it's been really cool <laughs> like i really that- really like it and it just sits on my nightstand you know when i go to sleep i hit the one button to suspend it whenever i'm like oh i'm about to fall asleep set it down and it's there the next morning and i know that we've talked about it before and mentioned it in the past but you are the ideal gamer for this system that people like you with a family with a wife with a job and and just the the whole adult responsibility thing are the ideal gamer for this because you can do it anywhere that it's it's not like the gamepad on the wii u that has to stay tethered even though it's wireless to the console itself that you can easily shut it down you can do whatever you want to with it and that kind of freedom is honestly going to allow you to continue gaming as a part of your life instead of having to have it segregated off and its own compartmentalized thing over here that you do in lieu of something else with your family that yeah. I really think that that Nintendo really hit on to something great here that they they should have been able to do with the Wii U but maybe didn't have the uh, foresight to or maybe even the technology to do at the time yeah totally and i mean i was gonna tell this story anyway but it ties in perfectly to what you were just saying like my daughter wasn't feeling good the other night and it's not she wasn't sick like if you're a parent you know this kids just they just don't feel good sometimes right and there's nothing wrong you don't need to take them to the doctor they don't need medicine they just don't feel good that night so she wasn't feeling good and she wanted me to be nearby her which is totally you know that's a totally normal thing it happens all the time um and normally if she would want me to hang out you know like her room's just a couple down from mine upstairs so we would both be in our rooms and we just kind of have our doors open in case you know the other person needs something or we need to talk or whatever she just didn't want to be as far away from us as us being downstairs so typically in that situation i'd kind of like plop on my bed and pull out my phone and you know do twitter or play like phone games or whatever and i just brought the nintendo switch upstairs and i was playing zelda you know like i sat in a chair in my room and 
kind of keeping an eye out for my daughter and I just played Zelda for hours because I could. Like I didn't have to change what I wanted to do. It was exactly what I wanted to do, but it was just in a different room of the house. And that kind of thing is going to hopefully go forward. That was both spurred by mobile gaming and handheld gaming, but also, you know, just quality of life stuff that gamers have wanted for so many years that we've always wanted to do this. It's like, man, I want to play Zelda, but I got to do this over here instead. I got to be in here for whatever reason. It's like, I just want to play my game. And now we can. Yeah, it's so nice to just kind of take it wherever you need it to be at the time or free up the TV for the other person without pausing. Yep. You just take it out and of the dock and you're still playing. That's going to be a great thing for me because we only have one TV in the house. So being able to do something like that, when I want to play Legend of Zelda and my wife wants to watch Dr. Pimple Popper, I can do both. And it is it is going to be a wonderful thing for us because of our setup, because we don't want more than one TV, because we're both very easily overcome by that kind of lethargy that comes from just sitting in front of a TV. And see, we have another TV upstairs um, and we don't use it a whole lot, but we have it in our room. Um, so I initially I thought I wanted a second dock and I still do. But now I'm wondering if I'm actually going to set up that dock attached to the tv like i originally thought or if i'm just gonna yeah. put it on my nightstand as a charging like you know the charging uh, spot at night because i like the handheld mode so much that when i'm in my room i don't feel that compelled to actually want to put it over onto the tv like i'm perfectly happy playing yeah. with it in handheld mode it would just be nice to charge it overnight so i am going to get a second dock and I don't know exactly how I'm going to hook it up in my room now, which is kind of interesting for me that I'm leaning so heavily into that handheld portable mode that I don't yeah. even feel like I need to hook it up to a TV. And I wonder, I wonder how many people out there are going to do that, like in general, like never hook the system up to a TV because you don't have to. There's no reason no. you have to. The only reason I could really see it being an issue is like having to is playing Mario Kart 2 players that uh, having a split screen on such a tiny screen may not work out very well. No, it's not. It's not a tiny screen, though, like because you're well, right up I mean, next not to a it when TV you're screen. I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Like, it's actually a really big screen. It's perfectly handheld, but it's not tiny. Like... It's bigger than a Vita. I mean, it's it's a yeah. decent sized screen on the thing. Um, I don't know. I will play Mario Kart in that mode, I promise you, and I will let you know. But I don't see it being an issue. Yeah, because that's really the only thing I can see is having split screen on a what can be a handheld just doesn't seem nearly as honestly fun as it would be on a big screen. Uh, it's not just a handheld though you can you can take the screen off and you can just set it down it doesn't have to be in your hands like someone doesn't have to be looking over your shoulder you know oh well i know but i mean even just having it just split on that small of uh that little bit of real estate just doesn't seem appealing to me okay we'll see i will i'll play around with it i'll let you know when we get there yeah. sometime in whenever it comes out in april i'm gonna get mario kart for sure um oh okay. yeah absolutely. do you have any other questions about the switch that i did not answer mainly i just want to know about zelda so i guess i'll just hold off until we record that one yes next week we'll talk all about zelda i have lots and lots of thoughts about it but i do want to actually uh so i'm doing kind of my typical thing right where i've talked about this before i like to explore the systems i like to wander and like explore the world i like to kind of power up organically until something clicks in my mind where i feel like okay i've seen enough of the systems i've internalized it enough i'm powerful enough i'm gonna go critical path and then i yeah. usually push through the whole critical path in like one shot so 
I'm approaching probably, I don't know, I don't have a game timer. I'm probably approaching 30-ish hours on Zelda, and I've barely done any of the main quest. I think I'm about to hit the point where I'm going to flip over and start pushing through. Mm. When so you we'll do see. that, are you going to go back and do any more of the world content after you finish it? Yes, but I would like to finish the game and then free up some of myself for Mass Effect and Persona 5. That's kind ah. of, that's part of me wanting to push through it. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. So with that, let's talk about Geeky Off of the Week. This week, let's plug Gamefly. You guys can go to gameflyoffer.com slash geek and get like a free month trial of Gamefly. You can get, it's kind of like the old Netflix DVD plans, get a game sent to you, play the game, send it back. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a good week for it. You know, you can go pick up Zelda. If you have a Wii U or a Switch, just pick up Zelda. It's a really, really good game. <laughs> That's all I'll say about it. Um, with yeah, that, it's probably I've actually for... thought about borrowing somebody's Wii U and game flying Zelda and just do the whole thing for free, but I can't find anybody's Wii U to borrow locally right now. <laughs> wow. Okay, with that, it's yeah. probably time for Weekly Geekery, which I don't have a whole lot of, so I'm going to go first, actually. Um, okay. I, I've been playing the Nintendo Switch the whole week, so the only <laughs> other thing I did... I know, right? I just talked about it for like an hour. Um, the only other thing that I did was I did put in that level two charger. I had my the person in my family who's an electrician came over this weekend and we worked on it. We put in the level two charger for our electric car and it's sweet and I love it. And the projects like that, home improvement always takes longer than you think it will. So it was a chunk always. of my weekend last weekend, but it's in place and I'm, I'm so glad we did it and I still absolutely love it. That's it. That's all I have for Geekery. Go for it, man. Which is crazy, but I completely understand given everything that you're doing with the Switch. Like, that's all consuming. Like, well, I, my scroll, wife is tired of me. <laughs> scroll down slightly in the show notes and look at how many Zelda notes I have already. Oh, I've already read those. Oh, oh I, was, okay. I was way ahead of you on that one. And, okay. Uh, but what about you? What did you do this week? Um. Well, Logan came out. You haven't seen it yet, right? No. Uh. Now that I work full-time normal hours again i'm not going to be seeing as many movies because i used to see them on like tuesday mid-morning and it was perfect and i can't do that now this is one of those that i want to talk about so badly like this is logan i've always been an x-men fan and i've always loved the x-men movies and i was a 90s x-men kid like i love the cartoon i loved all the video games that came out all of this like x-men was my thing for so long that and spider-man and but I've never liked Wolverine that Wolverine has always been one of those characters that I never really related to I'd never liked the hyper violent characters who were this kind of oozing machismo kind of super masculine just rough around the edges kind of kind of man's man like Wolverine is and Logan very well might be my favorite comic book movie I've ever seen. It also might be the best comic book movie I've ever seen. If if it is not uh if it's not the best, then it is by far the most cinematic and meaningful of any of them that has really ever been made. It that it shows that the studio, the writer, the actor Everybody involved in this film set out to make something that was so much more than what they've been able to do in the MCU and in the X-Men franchise and in the Fantastic Four and Deadpool and Spider-Man, all of this. They did something that I didn't think was totally possible. They made it's kind of like Battlestar Galactica 
in that I say that Battlestar Galactica is a military drama that happens to be in space, and that's kind of the way I feel about Logan. That this is a this is a fine like literary western that just happens to have comic book characters in it. That it it hit on so much of that film scholar background that Jennifer and I both have that we've been talking about it nonstop. We've been talking about themes and symbolism and the the kind of allusions back into other like Western literature and and the hero's journey. Obviously, I mean, I get really tired of that, but that's where a lot of my scholarship went into. And just the just so much that they've put together. Jennifer and I are thinking about doing a podcast together just to discuss it because they they really packed so much in this that it doesn't feel like a comic book movie. That there were multiple times that I cried at this movie because, yes, I have a connection to those characters because of growing up with them and seeing them through the movies. But this is also with the way that they handled it. It was real. Like, you could see and feel the emotions that they were doing. Like, the acting in this is head and shoulders beyond anything that I expected out of it. And, like, I don't I don't even know. It's like, compared to Logan and the story that was being told, the narrative that they put in place, it makes me look back at the MCU and see that they are shallow. And that is saying a lot because I love them. And that's like, really impressive. I, I definitely yeah. want to see that movie. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Go at a midnight show and go and get just whatever you have to. It's it is it is worth seeing and it is worth taking the time out of your 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 night one night to go see it if you can. And I did the prep for it uh, by and I just read Old Man Logan, the very original one that was in the 2003 run of Wolverine uh, that was like number six. 66 to 72, I think. And uh, when it was just a story arc and not its own series. And I didn't really like it. Like, it had some really good moments in it for Old Man Logan, but I didn't like it because... Have you read that one? Is that one that you've read? No, I think I the you... only Old Man Logan that I read was in the... It was like Secret Wars or something. Okay. I haven't read that one yet. Uh, that was one of them that I want to after reading the original arc, but it was very comic booky, and it it was it had a lot of good moments in it, but it still felt like it was one of those where I know you and I have talked about it being comic booky before, where it was just over the top, and it, that was the exact opposite of what Logan the movie was. That it was subdued and heartfelt almost the entire way through it to the point where when the credits rolled, I mean, it was, there are very few movies these days that after the credits roll and we leave that I'm still talking about it in such just hyper, just hyper textual kind of, of manic, like, Oh my God, I have so much I need to say about this movie. That does not happen very often for me anymore. And for Logan to have done it is super impressive. Because most of the time, I just kind of like, yeah, I saw that movie. It was pretty good. We talk about it on here, and I really don't think about it again. Kind of like Doctor Strange. Like, oh, yeah, that came out. Okay, cool. I like that movie a lot. It may have been one of my favorite ones. Like, I haven't bothered to see it yet. Logan's like, when can I see this again? Oh, my God, my life is not complete until I see this again, and I weep like a child. 
Like it's that's good. That's high praise. I mean, I wonder part of it here might be like expectations too, just because like expectations for X-Men movies are generally so low. Whereas MCU movies that are like, you know, the other ones by Disney are so high. I don't know. Something to think about. I don't know, about. because this one I actually had really high expectations for based on the trailers. Like, I expected to be let down because I went in thinking that this was going to be what it was, and it was better than I expected it to be by far, and I actually had pretty decent expectations for it. Okay, that's good. Like, really good. Make the time to see it. And those of you who haven't seen it yet out there, go see this movie if, like, I liked it. So... If that's not obvious, I liked it. It's good. Uh, it's real good. Um, Jennifer also played Journey this weekend. You, you like, have you've played Journey? I know. And yeah, I've, if be- I've beaten it. It's good. I mean, it's a quick. It's a quick game to beat. It only takes you like three hours start to finish generally. Uh, and it can. It took her about two this last time to do it. Okay. Uh, so like, if you go through, it takes about two hours to beat. It is one of the most beautiful and relaxing games I've ever played and watched. I like watching this game a lot more than I like playing it. And when my dad died in 2012, that first holiday season was really rough for me. And so Jennifer got this with got Journey with some Christmas money on the the PlayStation Network and. Like she just played and I watched it. It was so relaxing. So I've had a really, really stressful couple of weeks, been working a ton. Um, I worked like 14 days solid because of deadlines and stuff that I had to do. So I was taking the, the weekend trying to relax some and she decided to play Journey and because she had been talking about it for a while. So I sat back and I watched it and it was beautiful. And I wanted to read what she posted on Facebook about it. Because it pretty much sums up everything that that has that is journey that you can experience with it. And uh, she says, last night, I decided to pull up Journey on the PS3. It was a beautiful experience when I played it a few years ago, so I decided to revisit it. Early on, I came across another player. We made it through the first section together, and then the next... And then the next, we ended up playing through the entire game as companions. I hadn't planned on playing the game through the whole in one... I hadn't planned to play through the whole game in one sitting. sitting. Granted, it only took a couple of hours. But with my companion kept sticking with me, I decided to stick with him or her. When one of us would mess up or fall, the other would wait for our companion to catch up before moving on to the next section. When we got separated, we would chirp back and forth so we could find one another. That's the only communication you have, by the way, guys. And when we climbed the last part of the mountain in snow and wind so fierce that we could barely walk forward, it actually felt like we had fought through a long journey together. And when the game forced us to separate for the very last part of the game, I actually felt sad at losing my companion. As the game ended i sat through all the credits waiting to see the screen name of the person who had been so kind and loyal through the whole game then i saw the following on the screen companions met along the way kill you 422 sort of diminished the enchantment a bit and it's really good i like we just, that like seriously she waited we were talking about like like you know this is going to be something awful we were like you know because the only way you can communicate is just making sounds and symbols and kind of hopping at people and so it was just just great to like this person was wonderful and then we're laughing like you know it could be like emily 793 or chuck boy 455 and note we get through and it's like kill you 422 it's like wow that's 
course it was. Of course it was kill you 420, which we also found out was a penal code in California for threatening to kill someone, which is 422. So it's like, good job, person. Good job, kill you 422. So, wow. so if you guys want to know a good Journey player, though, add him on PSN. Um, I finished. So, so Journey's great. Y'all should play it. Um, finished up Saga. Uh, I desperately want more. I don't know what I can say that I didn't already, but super good. Kind of like my favorite comic of like forever now. So it is so good. Brian K. Vaughn did so many good things with it. I absolutely love it. And I'm desperately wanting more and I can't wait in volume seven to come out. How many? And, yeah, I was just going to ask how many volumes there were. I think I read about four of them and then I was like right. I, in one day and then I was tired of paying more money every time I wanted <laughs> another volume. I was like, you know. I don't feel that much into the story, so I'll just wait. But I should probably go back and catch up one of these days. Yeah, there are, there are six out right now, and I want to say it's like April 11th of this year that comes out with the seventh one. And it's I'm super excited because it, it ended on a cliffhanger where I was like, no! And it, I really, really have to know what goes on. Um, and this morning, I picked up Persona 4 Golden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, there's, it's on sale on PlayStation Network right now for $15. So when I saw it, I just went ahead and picked it up. You said that it was like your favorite RPG of forever and that you were looking forward to Persona 5 more than Zelda because yes. of this. I and still stand so, by that. Okay, that's awesome. Like, that's what, what I wanted to ask you. So, so far, I've played about half an hour of this game today. And I really dig the music. Like, I really, really, really think that the music is great. And I haven't really been able to do any battles yet. I've just been wandering around doing it. And I like the conversations if, that I can see. Where If you've played a half an hour, you really haven't done anything yet. You've mostly been reading text, right? Yeah, I've been yeah. reading text, wandering around the city, and interacting with a couple of, uh, like, the hero's uh, uncle and stuff like that. And the, and the kids at school a little bit. Like, that's it. And I can already see that I would re I'm really going to like this game, but I, the graphics are different than I thought it was going to be. I thought they were going to be hand-drawn. Why? Like I, really? Why? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's, it took me by surprise that it was just normal 3D RPG kind of stuff, because I fully expected kind of like a Nino Cooney kind of uh, hand-drawn vibe. No idea why. But uh, huh. it's pretty. Okay. I, I like it, but it just surprised me. So here's my question. Like, I had initially planned on selling my Vita and putting that money toward a Switch or thinking about it. And with Persona 4 and Persona 5 coming out like this, is it worth getting a Switch right now and worrying about that to play Zelda? Or should I play through Persona 4 and 5 on my Vita? Well, Persona 5 is not going to be on your Vita. Is it not? No, it's PS3 and PS4. Okay, so I have a PS3, so at least there's that. I thought it was going to be Vita because PS uh because Persona 4 Golden was Vita. No, it So what are you playing on right now? You're playing on your Vita for the PS or yeah. Persona 4. Yeah, um, Persona 4 on the Vita. See, it's so hard cuz I don't know how much you are going to like this game. It ended up being one of my favorite games of all time, and it took me yeah. by surprise, but it's it's a long game. And it has a slow start. Um, and then after you get past that, it's like you're invested in it. Um, but I also know you and I feel like you are going to get a ton out of the switch. So I don't know which way to steer you. I would say, see, I know you too well, because to other people who are gamers, I would just say power through Persona 4 as fast as you can right. and then sell it and buy the switch. But you don't power through games the way that I do. So that's not really no. an option. 
So I, I'm not sure. Like, cause I'm, I'm liking it so far. Like even the half hour, I can see a lot of potential in this and I'm already intrigued. So I'm, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes because I've, I've heard too much from too many people about how great this game is and to give it the first couple of three hours. And really that's when it starts to pick up a lot and you see more of what's going on. Yeah. That's one of those games where most of the time I can tell within the first half hour of a game, what I'm going to think of it. And yeah, that one, I didn't get a feel for it until like, I mean, it doesn't really open up until three ish hours in, like you were saying two or three hours. And then I still didn't have a really good feel for it until probably like the six hour mark out of 40, 45, maybe that I played it. And that's fine because that's actually what happened with Xenoblade Chronicles. I got seven hours into it, realized what the game was going to be and knew it wasn't for me. And so I'm cool with doing that. I put it in because I liked it enough to play it, but I didn't like it enough for 70 hours, which, you know, I may not miss either. If you don't end up getting a Switch, then you should definitely report back about Persona 4 next week. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay, with that, I think that's it for the week. We will talk Zelda next week, though. I I have a ton of notes already, and... I keep adding to it because I keep thinking of new things to say. Um, <laughs> I think that's about it. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have the longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And if you want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and just let us know what shows you want to get updates about. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I blog and podcast at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys. I I don't. Okay. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of the Comic Box, part of the Geek to Geek Podcast Network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.